Well, good morning. I got to say, you all look good this morning. You look well-rested. That extra hour of sleep looks good on you. I want to say a special welcome to those that are joining us online as well, those that are listening on the radio. We are glad that you have chosen to be part of the community of faith that is University Christian Church, wherever you are. Today, we are one church in many locations, and we are glad that you are a part of this community of faith. So I'm wrapping up a series this morning based on the notion that a lot of us spend a lot of time, a lot of energy, wishing that our life were different, better. Not that it's bad for us to want to try and improve our lives, but I'm afraid that if we're not careful, that a lot of us will spend so much yearning, so much time yearning for a different life that we don't appreciate, we don't value the life that we do have. And so we're looking in the series at some of the blessings of our lives that we oftentimes overlook. And the idea for this series came from a book by Kate Bowler and Jessica Ritchie called The Lives We Actually Have, A Hundred Blessings for Imperfect Days. And over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at the blessing of the ordinary, the normal, the routine. And last week we talked about the blessing of being overwhelmed when we find ourselves at the end of our rope. What we discovered last week is when we are overwhelmed, there's less of us and more of God. But this morning I want us to talk about what happens not just when we're at the end of our rope, but when that rope breaks. So this morning we're going to talk about the blessing of loss. Now, last week, if you were here, you may remember that the text that we looked at was from a part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that's found in Matthew's Gospel, chapters 5, 6, and 7, the longest section of teaching in all of the Gospels. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to look at a similar section of teaching, this one in Luke's Gospel. Luke has a similar sermon, though slightly shorter and somewhat different. In the beginning of Chapter 6, Luke says, after calling the disciples, that he went up on a mountain and he prayed through the night. And then, the next morning, he came down with them, he says, and, and stood on a level place with his disciples and with people from all over the area. People came from all over to sit and to listen to Jesus preach. Whereas Matthew had the Sermon on the Mount, Luke has him preaching on a level place. And so scholars oftentimes refer to this sermon, this section of teaching in Luke's gospel, as the Sermon on the Plain. Now, as you're listening this morning, I want you to listen. I want you to see if you can see some of the same themes, some of the same ideas, and see if there might be some slight differences between what we hear this morning and the Beatitudes, that series of blessings that we heard last week. So I invite you to listen now to this text from Luke chapter 6. Today's reading is from Luke 6, verses 20 to 23. Here begins the reading. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. 
Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. Here ends the reading. The word of God for the people of God. Blessed are you, Jesus says. Blessed are you who weep now for someday. Someday you will laugh. Similar to what Jesus said in Matthew, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. So this morning I want us to wrestle with the idea to, to, to wear the question whether or not it can be true that there is blessing in the midst of our loss, in the midst of our grief. That's certainly the hope, isn't it? In the midst of all that is happening, in the midst of the sorrow, we cling to the hope that something good will come out of this sorrow, out of this grief, out of this loss, and we cling to that hope. We hold on to it as if it's a life vest. I can tell you this, that it is sure hard to see any blessings when we are in the midst of it, to see any benefits, to think that something good can come out of this. When we are overwhelmed with sorrow, it is Hard for us to believe that there is a blessing hidden in the midst of our grief. But the truth is, friends, all of us, all of us suffer loss at some point in our life. All of us. And if you've been through a significant loss, you know the pain, the sorrow, the suffering that it inflicts. And if you haven't yet experienced that type of thing, I, I hate to be the one to tell you, but your time is coming. All of us suffer loss. None of us escape this life unscathed. Did you hear the difference between Matthew's version, blessed are those who mourn? In Luke, Jesus said, blessed are you. Blessed are you who weep. In other words, all of us, all of us at some point in our life will experience this sorrow and this suffering. When I was in seminary, my professor of pastoral care made the comment one day, in every pew sits a broken heart. And in 30 years of ministry, I could tell you that that's true. That every Sunday, in just about every pew sits a broken heart, someone, someone that is suffering, that is overcome with sorrow. Today is All Saints Sunday, and so naturally, it's, it's, it's natural that we focus on the loss that comes with the death of someone that we have loved, whether it's someone that we lost recently or maybe decades ago, the truth is, is that that grief never fully goes away. Someone once said, service is the rent that we pay for life. In a similar way, I would say that grief is the price that we pay for love. Queen Elizabeth was the first to say that grief is the price that we pay for love as if to say in some way, shape, or form that the more profound our grief, the more significant that we loved that person that lost. That grief, that love never goes away. It just changes. It evolves over time. Now, of course, there are other types of grief, other types of loss. There's the loss of a job. There's a divorce, abuse, disability. We could go on and on about the different types, the different shapes of loss. And some of those loss are like, like a broken limb 
Like when we break our arm, it, it certainly hurts a great deal and we become incapacitated for a moment, but then eventually it heals. Eventually it heals. But some kinds of loss are more like an amputation. It's more permanent. And it forever alters the landscape of our lives. You know, it's normal, it's natural for us to want to compare our losses to somehow quantify or, or maybe even compete. To say that, you know, my suffering is worse than yours. What I've gone through is much more painful, much more difficult than anything you have gone through. My divorce was horribly messy. Yours was more contentious, less contentious. We want to compete. We want to compare. We want to quantify. We say things like, my family is more dysfunctional than your family. But that's another sermon for another time. We'll hold on to that one until later. The truth is, is that all loss is bad. Only bad in different ways. No two losses are the same, and each stands out on its own. It inflicts its own unique pain. And so I would say that it's no use, it's no value in trying to quantify, no, no sense in trying to compare. No loss is worse than another. Loss is loss. Pain is pain. Grief is grief. So this morning, what we want to wrestle with is what are the blessings that come in the midst of our losses. And could it be, could it be that God does God's best work in the midst of the, the ruin, the empty places that life brings at us? Gerald Sitzer is a professor at Whitworth College in Spokane, Washington. And about 30 years ago now, he was driving with his family one night home from an event. His wife, Linda, has, was homeschooling their four children ages eight, six, four, and two. And they had just wrapped up a lesson on Native American culture, and so they had driven from their home in Spokane into a reservation in rural Idaho where they experienced and took part in a powwow. And that night after everybody had had enough, they piled in the minivan to go home, all six of them, but not only the six of them, but Sitzer's mother, Grace, was also in town, and so she was there with them. They got about 15 minutes into their trip home when an oncoming car veered across the road and hit them head on. Sitzer later learned that the driver of that vehicle was drunk and that he was going about 85 miles an hour at the time. And in an instant, Sitzer's wife, his mother, and their four-year-old daughter were killed instantly as well as the pregnant wife of the driver of the other vehicle. They were about an hour from the nearest hospital. And so after they pulled everybody out of the wreckage, Sitzer got with his three surviving children, one of whom was, was injured horribly, and they, they piled into a, an ambulance and began driving. And Sitzer would say, Sitzer would say that that hour that hour that I sat with him, I was overwhelmed with a sense of clarity, with a sense of rationality in that moment. And I realized in that moment that my life was permanently altered. That was 30 years ago. 
And along the way, he wrote a book in which he eloquently writes about the journey through that catastrophic loss. It's called A Grace Disguise, How the Soul Grows Through Loss. And I recommend it highly to anyone who's going through a difficult time, wondering how to navigate, wondering if there is blessing in the midst of the sorrow. Well, that hard-won wisdom that he gained through that journey is that loss increases our capacity the capacity of our souls, it increases our capacity to know God, to imitate God, and to live out a story of redemption. That there is grace, he says, there is blessing in the midst of loss. You know, Sitzer would also say that, just as I said a moment ago, my loss, as catastrophic and profound as it is, is no different no less hard, more difficult than anybody else's loss is loss. There's no sense competing. There is grace, he says. There is blessing in loss. The catch, the catch, though, is that you have to go through it. That all too often in our culture today, we try to avoid it. We try to numb it. We try to wish it away in some way, shape, or form. But Sitzer points out that in our modern culture, the language that we tend to use is just get over it. Just get over it. When I was 14, my stepfather passed away suddenly from a heart attack. And I remember someone coming up to me in a month or so after his death and says, don't worry, Russ, someday you'll get over this. And I remember, I remember at the age of 14 thinking to myself in that moment, who the hell said I want to get over the loss of my stepfather? You don't ever get over it. But instead, he says, you grow into it. You grow into it. You wear it. And it becomes a part of the landscape of your life. The journey through grief, he says, is not over but into it's not through, but it's growing into it until it becomes like clothes that fit better. And yet we carry that loss for the rest of our lives. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. He didn't say, he didn't say, blessed are those who get over it. He doesn't say, blessed are those who overcame mourning. No, it's blessed are those who mourn. Present tense, who go through it. And maybe, maybe we mourn our sorrows, but also it increases our capacity to experience and to, to, to absorb the sorrows of other people until we realize that we belong to a part of a, a community of mourning that goes back thousands of years and that it wraps itself around the world today. And yet we spend much of our try, time trying to escape these things, to avoid these things, to get over these things. But the call of discipleship, he says, is to grow into them. You know, there's a lot in this world that is worthy of our sorrow, of our mourning, of our grief. There's a lot worth grieving over, sometimes in our own lives, sometimes in the lives of those people that are near us, those, those that we love. Sometimes those sorrow, that mourning is of people in our community, whether it's 
this community here or the global community, certainly what's going on right now in the Middle East is worthy of our sorrow and our mourning. But our obligation as followers of Jesus is to step into that pain. To not try to avoid, but to step into it. And the evidence, the evidence of someone who is able to do that, to live that out, to grow into it, is that that person, that you become able to hold space for someone else's loss. To accompany them, to help them, no matter what the degree of that loss is. You see, if we are willing to face our pain, to, to find grace in it, our souls grow in its capacity to experience the pain of other people. You see, grief, loss, suffering, which all of us will face in some shape or form, not only alters us forever, but it has the potential to enlarge our capacity, to enlarge our souls, to know God, to imitate God, to live out a story of redemption, but also to partner with God to help others through their sorrows, through their suffering, to learn from our experience. You see, the blessing of loss, the blessing of loss is the invitation to step into the pain, but also to step into the grace that ultimately makes us whole, that allows us to experience the wholeness that God intends for our lives and to help others experience that wholeness as well. Blessed are you, Jesus says. Blessed are you who weep now, for someday you will laugh.